0: Episode number 24. Welcome to the Higher Life Podcast. Lessons from authentic Judaism. Get the inspiration you need for personal growth. Hosted by Rabbi Mitterhoff. Shalom, this is Rabbi Eliyahu Mitterhoff with the Higher Life Podcast. In this week's podcast, we're going to talk about the Torah portion of the week, Re'eh, Living on the Edge of Human Desire. We're going to have a powerful parable about neglecting a cure to an illness. Peace in Your Home is going to be about evading obligations. And a great story about Rev and faith. So I want to start out with this week's Torah portion. I'm going to speak about the Rambam. In the Rambam's introduction to Parach in Sanhedrin, he explains the idea of lo l'shmo, What does that mean? That if you do something, a mitzvah, for the wrong reason, you'll come to do it for the right reason. And he gives an example of a child first goes to school. Now, how are we going to convince his child to learn Torah? He doesn't appreciate what it is. He doesn't know what it is. Why should he put in the effort to learn? So according to his level, his conception of what's going on, the way to do it is you give him some sugar, give him candy. So the teacher promises him that if he learns, he'll get some candy. Then he gets a little bit older. He's not so interested in candy, but he still has, doesn't have an appreciation for Torah. So what do you do? The teacher will promise him to buy him shoes. i get your father to buy you shoes. i get your father to buy you nice clothes, which will motivate him to learn more until he slowly starts to get appreciation for Torah. And as time goes by, he still needs some more motivation. He may not be the most spiritual. He may not appreciate His intellect may not be developed enough for him to appreciate. So then the teacher will offer him money. I get your father to give you money. And as he goes further, his rabbis promise him that if he continues to learn, he'll get he'll become a rabbi, he'll be famous. So the Rambam says really all this stuff is shameful, but it's necessary. Because of man's nature, because man's nature is physical and he doesn't have a real true appreciation of spirituality until he grows his intellect to become sharp and his understanding becomes deeper. Until he gets to these levels, he won't have the motivation to get to the level. So you have to start the ball rolling with lo lishma, lo lishma, You have to offer him physical things which he understands. And then he'll come to the higher level. And this is the nature of man. But on one side, it's an embarrassment. Because he says, the purpose of study should be knowledge. And the ultimate purpose of truth should to be know what is true. In other words, we should be learning to understand what's true. We should just have a desire for the truth. I mean, even Aristotle said that a healthy person wants to desire the truth. And really, our motivation should come from love. We appreciate what, that we're created. We want to understand what we're doing here. What, what's our obligation to be here? What do we need all these side factors? But that's not the way it is. We are human beings, and we need physical things to motivate us. And even though we're not doing it for the right reason, we will come to do it for the right reason by doing it through the wrong reason. That's called lo l'sh'ma, that doing it not for the sake of God will come that you will do it for the sake of God. And this shouldn't be looked down upon because it's an integral component of what it means to educate a human being, educate a child, develop a person. He he needs these things. I want to ask you a question, which my Rebbe used to ask. What's the quality of steel? So most people will say steel is a very hard substance. But really, we know that if you would heat up steel hot enough it turns into a liquid and if you freeze it it could be very hard and it could crack so which quality is it well it depends under normal circumstances we know that it's hard if you heat it up it becomes a liquid if you freeze it 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 can crack so it's all three of those qualities same thing with a human being are we spiritual or are we physical well it depends we need an ideal situation to be spiritual. And this is what Shlomo Amalek talks about. Shlomo said in Mishle like this, Give me neither poverty nor riches. Give me my allotted bread. Why? If I am satisfied, I might deny and say who is God. If I am poor, I might steal and take the name of God in of vain. So you see that man is very capricious in nature. He's fickle. Depends on his situation. He has to know in his nature how much he needs to go forward. If he overindulges himself, that's wrong. But if he doesn't take what he needs, he'll also go off. So if death says like this, Troubles arouse a person to turn him towards God. Believe it or not, when you have trouble, that's when a man turns on to God. If all his needs are satisfied, oh what do I need God for? Everything's fine. Got a nice car, nice house, nice wife, nice kids, everything's great. Well forget about God. Who needs God? And this is the tendency of a human being to deny God. If everything's taken care of, who needs God? So since Shlomo knew that was true, he said, give me neither poverty nor riches. Give me allotted bread, give me just what I need. And why was he scared of poverty? Because on poverty he might come to steal. So we see that man is in a very fluid situation, changing from moment to moment. And our relationship to God has to change based on the situation. But the Torah provides solutions to these problems. In this week's Parsha, Re, the verses say like this, You shall make the festival of sukkahs for a seven-day period. When you gather in from your threshing floor and from your wine pit, when does sukkahs fall? Exactly at the time of the harvest, when you're gathering all your food and your wine. It says there, You shall rejoice on your festival. You, your son, your daughter, your slave, your maidservant, the Levite, the convert, the orphan, the widow, and all who are in your cities. A seven-day period you shall celebrate to Hashem, your God, in the place that Hashem, your God, will choose. For Hashem will have blessed you and all your crop and all your handiwork, and you will only be joyous. Ach, you will only be joyous. So we see that God set up Sukkot at the time when we're gathering our crops. This is amazing. Why is this? Because we might come to deny God. And God knows that. Since we have the, we're getting our food for an entire year, we might get arrogant and say we don't need God anymore. So God made a holiday. What was the holiday about? Going into a sukkah, and a sukkah is a temporary dwelling. Remember that the world is temporary. Remember what you're doing here. Why are you here? What's your purpose in life? Don't think you're so self-sufficient. Go out into a sukkah, and what are you supposed to do in your sukkah? You're supposed to be happy spiritually happy. You're supposed to rejoice there. So at the end of the pasach there, it says you will only rejoice. They learn out, there's a Gemara in Moed Katan that learns out, I mean only rejoice, that you shouldn't get married during the time of Sukkis. Why? Because the time of Sukkis is a time of spiritual simcha, not physical simcha, spiritual happiness, not physical happiness. So you shouldn't even be happy with your marriage. Surely you shouldn't be happy with all the money you just made, with all the harvest that you have. But the question that Rev. Desler has is, how do we get there? How do we move from physical joy to spiritual joy? What is spiritual joy? How do we really feel happy with God? How do we go beyond being a human being almost with our physical desires? How do we move out of lowlish more bolishma? How do we move out of being motivated for the wrong reasons to being motivated for the right reasons? We're only flesh and blood. We're human beings. What's going to cause us to be truly, truly spiritual? So he brings down in the name of the Vilna Gon, The Vilna Gon said like this. It's impossible to sow a field unless it has first been plowed. That's the mashal. What does that mean? Our hearts have what's called timtumalev. There's a kind of a tumma impurity in our heart. That's why we don't see God. We don't feel God. We don't have real feelings of spirituality. There's a kind of covering on our heart. And it prevents spirituality from entering into our hearts. So he says the hard peel surrounding the heart must first be pierced. When it's pierced at that point, then spirituality can come in. So he says we need a strong emotional upheaval. It can either be positive or negative. But when it happens, he says, now is my chance. The hard casing of my heart has been broken open quick. I must sow in it what I want. At that point, when a person had some kind of emotional upheaval, he has a chance to change himself and come closer to God. And this is what we learn from the pasukim in the Torah. Now is the time, it says at sukkahs. Now is the time, wow, I just harvested my entire crop for the whole year, I'm set up. How happy am I? How great I feel, my family feels, everybody's happy. At that point, that's when we go into the sukkah. At that point, we direct that towards God. And the Chokhmah is a Torah, and the wisdom of a Torah knows the nature of the human being. It's using the physical joy as a springboard to reach true spirituality. And with that, we can build our faith. We can build our closeness to God. There's another famous example of this. We know that when Yaakov saw Yosef, after 22 years of thinking that he was dead, when he met him and they hugged, so the Pesukim there say that Yosef put his neck onto Yaakov, but Yaakov didn't put his neck onto Yosef and cry. Why? Because Yaakov was saying Shema. He used those feelings, unbelievable feelings of knowing your son is alive, seeing Yosef. He used that to come close to God. Thank you, God. Uplifting himself to become truly spiritual. I just want to add on to this a very, very interesting thing that I heard. We know that the universe has planets orbiting in space. In other words, everything's turning around the sun in our universe. So there's a center and the planets orbit around. We also know on the microcosm, there's an atom. An atom has neutrons and electrons. It also has a center. And things turning around it. The same thing with a human being. Even though it's true that human beings have a tendency to neglect God, but they also want to come close to God. We know in every society, there's temples. There's people who gathered around God. And they made God the center of their lives. In every society. But you have levels. Just like you have some planets that are closer to the sun. And they're orbiting around. You have other planets that are further away and orbiting around. But everybody feels that they're serving God in their way. It may not be the right way, it may not be the best way, but that's exactly the point. That's why I wanted to bring this. In other words, each human being has his own tendencies and his own perception of what's important, what's less important, what's more important, his value system. And his value system is creating his orbit. Basically, how close he is to God is based on his value system. But most people are all good people, and they're trying their best to their understanding with their education and their view of life. And they're all orbiting around God because God's in the center. So when you look at another human being who is less religious than you or even more religious than you, you shouldn't think it's strange. You have to see the people for who they are. They're in their own orbit. They're orbiting around God in their way. Not everybody has the same constitution. Not everybody has the same intelligence. Not everybody has the same type of heart. Now, obviously, the Torah tells us how to come close to God and what God's about. But even the greatest scholar, even the greatest human being has so much more to go. We're still human. We're flesh and we're blood. We still have our desires. And this is exactly the point. And that's why we need, as Jewish people, we need sukkahs to take our physicality and turn it to spirituality. And that's why we need lo Shma. And that's why we need to do things for the wrong motivation to come to the true motivation. Because we're human. But the secret is what the Vilna Gon told us. At emotional points in your life, bar mitzvahs, weddings, simchas, all kinds of things, at these spiritual moments, and also in the negative, death, God forbid. Negative things bring people to tshuva. At these breaking points, you can break out of the orbit and make your orbit a little bit closer to God. And we all know this is true. At the difficult times in our lives and at the happy times in our life, we always come closer to God. I just want to add on another thing, which is I heard that the Rambam said that the Torah is superposed upon the physical reality. In other words, we are who we are. The Torah is a standard that we have to live up to. But no human being can live up to every aspect of the Torah. The Torah is divine. We're human. The Pasek says, no one can see me and live. No one can see God and live. If you already see God, you're 100% pure. You're out of this world. So as long as we're here, we're impure. So in terms of educating and in terms of the way to look at other human beings, you have to look at the person for who they are. Not who they could be or should be, or, you, or who you want them to be. Who they are is who they are. They're in their own personal orbit. It's very important in terms of education to look at your children and accept them for who they are. How are you going to move them closer to God if you don't accept them for who, for who they are? The starting point is to, to accept them as human beings. The same thing with neighbors, friends, wives... Husbands, the starting point is the human element. And in that, we have to superimpose the spiritual element. And the essential times for that is the highlights of our lives and the low points of our lives. When there's an emotional upheaval, then we can move to the next level. Kavitz Chaim gave a mashal. He said like this, Deep in the heart of every Jew is an authentic faith that still burns bright. It's called the Pindle Yid, the spark inside of the Jewish soul. The problem is that we crave to be like other people. In other words, we make our measurement of who we are and what's expected upon us based on our neighbors. This is known information. It's a fact. So he has a mashal like this. He says, One time an epidemic broke out, God forbid, and there was no cure for it. And no one knew what the cause was. But everybody, the sick people were dying left and right. So someone heard about a famous doctor that cured this disease by many, many people. He says to his friend, please, I don't care what, spend whatever it takes, get that doctor here. I want him to come here. I don't wanna die. So his friend said, what are you so impatient about? Let's wait and talk things over with the other sick people of the village because everybody was sick. And together, we'll all invite this physician, we can split the price, and he'll cure the illness. And besides that, you're not even exactly 100% sure that this doctor can cure the disease. So the sick man got angry at his friend. He says, listen, here nobody knows how to cure the disease. You think I'm just going to wait around for other people to decide when this doctor should come? What do I care what they want to do? I need to save my own life. And in terms of me not knowing 100% where this doctor can cure, but let's say he's a 60% chance. So bring him. My life is in danger. I have to do everything I can to save myself. So that was the mushal. The nimshaw is that people spiritually don't understand how sick they are. They don't understand how off they are. They think they're doing okay. Why? Because they're just looking at the neighbors. He doesn't keep Shabbos. He doesn't eat kosher. He goes to this little shul over there, you know, a conservative shul. Everything's okay, you know. That's the kind of Jew that I am. Everything's fine. So he says, listen, whatever the neighbors are doing is good enough for me. But if he understood how bad off he really was, he would run, bring me the rabbi, tell me what to do. I don't care about anybody else. I need to save myself. So a person who's really searching for spirituality, he has to look beyond his neighbors. Learn to give, love, and communicate. This is Peace in Your Home. I'm going to read here from a book, Rav Nachum Dainiman, on Shalom Bayis, Peace in Your Home. It says, one time there was a famous guy, famous guy in Chesed. He was legendary. And whenever people would come up to his wife, they'd say, wow, your husband, is what a sodic, what an unbelievable guy he is. He helped this and he helped that. The wife used to say the words used to cut me like a knife. Right? Because he would never help his wife. He's always busy running around helping other people. So this was going on for years. She used to complain to the rabbi, nothing helped, he didn't care. He was always out helping other people, did not help in the house. So one time she was expecting, she was pregnant, and she had to be in her bed. That's what the doctor said. So up till now, what happened? He, she used to get her daughter to help in the house. Okay, my husband doesn't want to help. Fine, I'll get my daughter. But this day, it happened to be the daughter had a school trip. And he, she, the daughter had to go. So he, he, she begged with him, please, just come home this afternoon. Help me out. Let's feed the kids lunch. And then you can go back to learn whatever you're doing. So what happened? A half hour before one o'clock when he's supposed to come. He gets a call. He says, listen, I can't come. He says, why not? Why not? It's a true story. He said, because there's a poor woman who needs help, she's in bed rest and there's nobody there to help her. At that point, the wife started crying uncontrollably. True story. The question is, what kind of behavior is this? What's causing this kind of behavior? So we know by Shiva Megeri, Davan Amalek told Shlomo to kill him with wisdom. What do you mean with wisdom? How did Shlomo kill him? He said, if you leave this city, he was an 80-year-old man, he never left Yushalayim. But he says, if you leave this Yushalayim, you're going to be killed. And we know that he somehow happened with a donkey, chased after his donkey, left Yushalayim when he killed him. Why did he have to leave him? Because we know the rule is like this. As long as you're obligated to do something, you don't want to do it. That is the nature of man. When this man, he's going around helping other people, there's no obligation. But to help his wife, he's obligated, he doesn't want to do it. There's another story like this. One time there was a famous Cheder Rebbe. He used to take care of those students unbelievable. He never took a break. And after 30, 40 years of teaching, at the end, they never, At the when they made the party for him, they announced that they never saw him in the teacher break room, the teacher's lounge. But this same Rebbe admitted, I can't sit with a half hour to teach my own kid. He was an unbelievable unbelievable. Cre- Rebbe used to invite people to his house, the kids to his house for Shabbos, after hours, after school. He was always involved with his kids. I mean, the best Rebbe you could possibly imagine. But he couldn't teach his own kids. Same idea, because he was obligated. So what do we learn from this? Part of the problem of Shalom Bayez is you're obligated. You have to help each other. This is the real test of a man. And he brings down the Yom Kippur in the Haftorah, Yishia Navi gives a list of things that we should do on the fast day. And the last one is, do not ignore your family. This is chesed inside the home. It's an obligation. At that point, the passage continues, then the light will break forth like the dawn, and your healing will sprout quickly. And then you should call Hashem, and He will answer. You will cry out, and He will say, Here I am. This is the test of helping in your house. Also for a wife, of helping a husband. What you're obligated to do, that's the most difficult. Once you know about it, at least you have a chance to conquer it, to work on it. And he ends with a story he knew one time, his, there was a Baal whose brother was together with a girl for 10 years. They had the greatest relationship. Then they decided to get married. Seven months later, they were divorced. Same kind of idea. So we have a do like Yeshua Noviya says do not ignore your family to build the relationship. And then, when you have the relationship together with the obligation, then you really have peace in your home. It's time for great stories about great rabbis. I want to end off with Rav Chatzkel, the mashkiak of the Mir. We know that one of the greatest qualities of Rav Chatzkel was his Amuna, his faith. He had tremendous faith in God. So he used to say, when he was in Shanghai, when the Mir went to Shanghai, and people were mourning over their families, their brothers and their sisters. People needed a lot of chizuk. They needed strength to, be- to continue to believe in God, that God is totally good. So one time, there's a famous story, one time one of the Talmidim came to Rav Chatzkel, Please give me strength. Give me more munah. Help me to really believe in God. So Rav Cheskel held up his hand. He says, do you see my fingers? He says, this is how I see Hashem. Always in front of me. That's how real God was to him. Like his hand. And the story goes, he started to cry and cry. He says, I don't understand. How can this person not see God when I see him like my hand? Rav Cheskel said, he brought down the Chavos Levavos. It is an imperative to know that everything comes from God. Our entire life in Lot is in his hand and nothing can affect that. Ain od mil There is nothing else but God. And the sages enforced this teaching with what? Somebody doesn't lift a finger here on earth unless it is first decreed in heaven. Why was he so adamant about this to the students in Shanghai? Because he said, you guys saw miracles. I mean, the miracles, how the mirror went out of Shanghai is unbelievable. If you read the story, unbelievable miracles. And he was worried that if they didn't have faith, there would be tremendous judgment upon them. They would be punished. And he said the problem is double. If a person does not work on his faith, what will happen? It will create a vacuum. And the vacuum will be filled with other things. The vacuum will be filled with a lack of faith, atheism, and physical desires, and desires for physical things in the mundane world. That's the nature of a human being. If he doesn't fill himself up with faith, he'll fill himself up with something else. Okay, that's it for this week's podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. Please share it with your friends. Please give me some feedback on the website. I'd really appreciate it. Thank you for listening. Your voicemail could be featured on the Higher Life Podcast. Just visit RabbiMinterhoff.com to ask questions or leave comments.